the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified exclusively here on the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week, we take a walk back down memory lane. We go back to the new generation of the World Wrestling Federation, and we talk about some sort of topic, and today is quite the doozy. Uh, new generation with a little bit of a twist as we uh, we focus on a team that had maybe its heyday earlier in the Federation years, uh, but got a little bit of a remake as we look at the Bushwhackers and, and beyond. We're going to call the Bushwhackers and beyond on New Generation Declassified this week. And I would be remiss if I didn't welcome in my special guest for this episode, the Aussie guy, Dean Galloway, coming all the way from the Bushwhackers' second hometown of Perth, Australia. So welcome to the show, Mr. Galloway. G'day, Chadster. Uh, thank you very much for having me on, mate. Uh, yeah, New Generation is not my thing, but uh, it's funny that you you brought up the Bushwhackers. Uh, that's that's always amused me, the Bushwhackers, so I'm sure we can have a good conversation, mate. So yes, uh, very happy to be here. <laughs> so let's see here. Uh, I could have picked a. I, I could not have picked a more stereotypical uh, topic for somebody from Australia. So my apologies right out of the gate. Uh, that is not why I wanted you to come on. I just thought that it was a funny topic. Uh, I wanted to get you on just because I, I'm a fan of what you do. I think you're a very funny guy. Uh, you and I cross paths in the Get My Go universe as uh, have the last couple weeks worth of guests on New Generation Declassified. So if anything, the cross pollination continues. Uh, but yeah, man, we connected through there and, uh, I've been getting a chat with you and, uh, you know, you crack me up with some of the things that you say. So, uh, we're going to bring that to the airwaves and, uh, see what we can do on these, uh, new generation, uh, podcast, uh, waves and see if, uh, it translates. So if you could be, if you were a dud, then this episode might not even come out. So, you know, the little pressure is on now. <laughs> hey, that's, that's fine. People have put the pressure on a little bit lately, mate, but no, I appreciate the compliments. That's very, very kind of you. And yes. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, anyone that is familiar with me is obviously uh, familiar with me because of Get My Go, and I'm uh, I'm loving that. And I actually had a thought, uh, Chad, when you asked me to um, when you invited me on your show, and I was thinking about this era of wrestling, and I was like, what do I want to know about like early '90s wrestling? And something hit me. Now it's not New Generation WWF, but it was a thought that hit me that I sort of it linked back to Get My Go and. A kind of thing with, with uh, Johnny podcasting, the start of Reality Check, and then, you know, going postal on Vince Russo, and and then the failed ventures with Seven and Vampiro, severing ties with Joe Feeney and burning that bridge and all that. I kind of feel like it's the podcasting equivalent of the Shockmaster falling through the wall. <laughs> yes, that's a very good comparison. Yeah, so that's all I could remember from my early 90s. Uh, that's it? Wrestling. That's all you got from the early 90s? <laughs> is the Shockmaster? No, I was, I was actually just thinking about Get My Go and just how it's it's great train wreck stuff. And uh, and I was thinking, what's some of the like great stuff in wrestling that's a train wreck that you just can't you, – you watch over and over again? And the Shockmaster, to me, was just oh, one yeah. of those things. Oh, it's at the uh, top of the list for sure. 
Yeah, and you've uh, mentioned Opie and Anthony a bunch. I mentioned it early on Get My Go that I think Get My Go is a bit of Jocktober. Uh, And Patrice O'Neill on uh, on Opie and Anthony, watching that clip over and over and just listening to him laugh and and just make fun of it. Uh, Yeah, that that always stuck out of my mind, the Shockmaster. I I don't know. It's always been a favourite of mine. I can always go back and watch it. Shockmaster definitely there on the cringeworthy uh, list still to this day. I mean, you know, WWE's parodied it a couple of times. They even released a Shockmaster action figure at one point, which is great for uh, for Fred Ottman because, you know, you go to a yeah. convention, he's signing Shockmaster helmets, he's signing Shockmaster pictures, Shockmaster toys. So, I mean, this guy's one botch led to uh, basically like a second career on the uh, the convention scene. So does that mean at a podcast convention in like 20 years, we're going to be seeing some uh, cheap heat and cheap pops or wrestling with reality, you know, uh, reboots or uh, kind of reinventions through the uh, maybe a podcasting convention scene? Perhaps? Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking um, Johnny Podcasting just gets a table and signs get my go shirts, you know? He's the inspiration behind it. So, yeah, he can just roll up with a – I'm sure Mike would be fine with it if he rolled up with a with a box of Get My Go shirts and and uh, says the man behind Get My Go, the reason for Get My Go and sign those shirts. I'm sure that could happen in 20 years. Right? Yeah, that's a, that's a damn good uh, possibility. That's like us going back and talking about the new generation. We're going back 20 years. So he- going ahead 20 years, that's a whole different kind of uh, concept. That's Back to the Future 2 shit right there. <laughs> that's right but uh maybe, maybe the mets will win the world series this time right hey well well if we don't have another person uh sending uh dick pics or uh inappropriate texts <laughs> from uh the last few years maybe we can get past like uh an off season of uh of actually focusing on baseball but a world series would be nice eventually uh but let me just say this too about the opie and anthony comparison I mean, growing up, you know, obviously, uh, Opie and Anthony was like uh, where I studied a lot of my my broadcasting techniques, and I worked for Howard Stern, so I saw it on the Stern side of things. Uh, but the Jocktober comparison, it really couldn't be any more accurate than it is when it comes to Get My Go, because parody is the number one name of the game. And, and if if anything, when you're doing a parody and you're parodying something that's got, you know, content available to you, it's it's one thing. What Jocktober did was is every day they just listened to a morning show, took the clips, broke them down, and there you go. You had Jocktober. This, there's new episodes coming out every single week, so you can't even go back into the archives because you're getting gold handed to you on a weekly uh, basis on a silver platter. It, it's amazing that it continues to get worse and um... – there's just always new bits of magic. But I, I think it's a credit to everyone involved with the show as well that, you know, has their own different way of hearing it and their own different perspectives when they hear it. And that's that's the whole thing with whether it's Kumir and Jim Norton or, you know, whether Bill Burr's there, Patrice O'Neill's there, whoever it is that's, that's in for the day, they're different perspectives on what they hear. Like, that, that also makes the show great. I'm an Opie guy, just so everybody knows if you're an ONA fan. I'm an Opie guy. I don't like what the other guys did to Opie the whole nine yards. I know what it's like to be the master of the chip and have to drive it in certain directions and make decisions that are going to make a lot of people happy. Um, so I sympathize with the Opster. Oh, the Chadster. That's a nice little uh, <laughs> nickname comparison there. Hmm, almost like that was planned. No, it wasn't. Naturally got the Chadster nickname, which is taken off for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but the Chadster <laughs> is uh, steamrolling here. All right. So let's talk a little new generation. Where were you in the mid-90s? Where was I in the mid-90s? Uh, gee, I was, well, we'll start with age. I think I was, you know, early teens at that point. And um, 
Geez, I was just into sport, you know, fully into sports. Um, the basketball got huge in that era for us. So um, that that became a draw to the US with Michael Jordan and that. And so, yeah, I've I got to be honest, when, when thinking about this era, I'll tell you the one thing, once again, it's WCW, but to me it kind of marks, you've been talking with people about what do you think marks the, the moment of the new generation era. For me, my one of my earliest memories of wrestling is the Hulk Hogan parade when he signed with WCW. Okay. Uh, so what was that? Ninety four. That's ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember watching that. Uh, well, not live for sure. It definitely wouldn't have been live. Right. But anyway, I, you know, I was watching it on a Saturday morning or something on the, on uh, our free to air television, and I kind of that's sort of for me like once Hulk, that's official Hulk's gone from the WWF, um, and you know, like obviously I was like everyone i was a hulk hogan fan and so wherever hulk goes that's that's what's going to be the best thing so i kind of think yeah that that is the start um of the new generation era for in, in my eyes as when hulk hogan's walked officially walked away from the wwf that's uh that's a good point that's you're so you're the second person that said that because we've had another instance where somebody said it was when hulk hogan gets beat by yokozuna the year before which is 93 and that kind of ushers in the new generation because and we'll talk about it with the bushwhackers like you still see glimpses of those prior years throughout the actually i mean every year of the new generation you still see glimpses but 93 there's still a lot of faces you know you still see your kamalas and jim duggan and the nasty boys and guys that you would kind of consider to be more federation era but that's a great uh, start to say the the wcw parade of hulk hogan is when the new generation era kind of ushers itself in now for you in australia i'm gonna think the reason you would see something like that is because the television markets overseas for us would want to go where hulk hogan is so you would see more coverage of a wcw rather than seeing guys like a bret hart a Shawn michaels a diesel a razor ramon who aren't the proven household names yet uh you're going or your tv markets are going to go where hulk hogan goes yeah that's right and you know, I think, like I say, I don't have a lot of memories of pre, you know, the Federation era. Uh, I, I really don't. I was very, very young. I just knew I loved Hulk Hogan and I'd seen Hulk Hogan, but I couldn't tell you anything specific. Uh, but everybody knew Hulk Hogan and he was he was a global megastar. So, yeah, when he switches to WCW, to be honest with you, I didn't know what was going on. You know what I mean? I think I think at that point I was 11. So I'm like, I'd, yeah, what, he wrestled somewhere else now? Yeah. Now he's going to a new place. But, yeah, it did seem that our television stations then started to pick up WCW and would start to show WCW late night or, you know, early Saturday mornings or, or something like that when Hulk Hogan moved. But I, I do sort of remember, like, the, the Bret Hart shades. That's something I do remember as being, like, in like in my everyday life, seeing people with those Bret Hart, Bret Hart shades. I, I, okay. I think that was, that was one sign to me that, you know, it, the WWF was doing something, uh, doing something different and something new and creating a new star, I guess. The Bret Hart shades, always very stylish. I, I, you know, as a sunglasses, sunglasses enthusiast as I am, uh, I can't see myself wearing them out, but I did have a pair and uh, I definitely could see the, uh, the mass appeal, uh, especially in a place like Australia. So now let's talk about merchandise quickly. So again, we'll take into account your, you know, your age. We're kind of probably in the same age range. Um, so in that era, you know, I'm because I'm 38 now, so it would take into yeah. account the same, you know, age range. Uh, merchandise we talk about it on the show in the states. This was the first time the WWF didn't have a toy deal, 
So anything that was left over from when they were signed with Hasbro kind of hit the shelves and then it was over. And then there was a few years and then the next wave of toys will come out. But this is technically they didn't have a toy deal. That's a big deal. So they weren't on the lunch boxes. They weren't on the T-shirts in the stores. They weren't on anything outside of just a WWF magazine, something you can get in a merchandise catalog. What kind of merchandise hit Australia for wrestling at that time? Look, I'm... I imagine there was probably Hulk Hogan shirts, but the only thing I really m- remember is um, some like little mini wrestling figures that, mm. you know, weren't even like you sort of could guess that's probably Hulk Hogan. That's probably Macho Man, you know. So like a knockoff weren't. style? It looked, it kind of looked that way. Yeah. Um, I think there was probably, yeah, like you say, like the Hasbros and all, all that. I'm, I'm right. sure I'm sure I saw those as a kid, uh, but I, I definitely remember getting, yeah, seeing a lot of sort of, like you say, these these knockoff sort of style things, these little mini things that are cheap. Um, because, yeah, I, I think at that time the, 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 the reach into Australia I don't think was very good at that stage no. uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. It, it certainly did. It, it lifted uh, into the Attitude Era and beyond. But, yeah, like you say, they stopped the figures in this era. Well, I don't think a lot of figures were getting to Australia and a lot of merchandise was getting to Australia at that period of time, like before that, let alone during during the new generation era. There, there's a random commercial on YouTube for the LJN figures, and it's actually an Australian department store that oh, has – It's and I'll send it to you on, uh, 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 you know, in your DM. And I'll actually – I'll post it underneath the, this episode too if, you, if people want to see it. It's very weird because it's little children dressed up as – one is Hulk Hogan. Perhaps the other one is the Macho Man. I, I might be forgetting that one. But the third is – the kid is dressed up as Adrian Adonis. <laughs> and it's very <laughs> uncomfortable because he's dressed in, in the Adrian Adonis, like, you know, like the boa and the makeup and his hair is all done. But he's wearing flesh-colored tights like Adrian did. <laughs> kind of like the weird choice, I would think, for that time yeah. period. Uh, but it's an Australian department store. And I believe for the video cassettes – I don't know if Silver Vision was the the Australia distributor. I know they were for the UK, but I don't know if it was in Australia per se. Uh, but I do know down the road, as we get into the late 90s and the Attitude Era, that's when stuff did become a little bit more readily available to you guys, right? Yeah, definitely. I know I used to go to, yeah, the old Blockbuster or whatever, and, yeah, I'd get VHSs and then DVDs and that um, certainly – yeah, you're talking 99, 2000. Right. Um, I think we're always getting the, uh, what are they called, Coliseum Video? They were Coliseum Video, but in Australia, yeah, yeah. it would have been, I, I want to say it was this company called Silver Vision that distributed yeah. Yeah, them okay. to, to mostly anybody outside of the United States. And um, they were always behind. It was just always mm. months and months and months behind. It, and it was something that you know I'd come to learn more about. But you would get them, but I'm sure it was just massively like delayed. Yeah. So obviously in the um, the Federation era, in the new generation era, I wasn't I wasn't actively seeking it out. But it was always definitely there. There was always a wrestling section in the in the blockbuster or whatever your video store was. But when I got into following wrestling and, and wanting to go back and watch everything, yeah, I used to notice it would take. Yeah, probably. You're probably three months, I reckon. Like, yeah, I'd get WrestleMania three months later, um, and be able to watch it. So, you know, you follow you follow the results on the internet, and then watch it three months later. You're like, damn, this guy's not even in the company anymore. Shit, like he was <laughs> the main player here, and now he's gone. Uh, but yeah, it's very interesting, and I remember kind of specifically 
uh, WWE put out a show called the Global Warning Tour. Yes. In okay. around 2000. Oh, you were? Okay, great. So 2002, yeah. the main event, uh, uh, was, uh, I think it was Rock, Undertaker, and Triple H. And the DVD yeah. was, I loved it because you got to see it as a house show with the lights down. And, and that's like, I love that shit. But as the extras on the DVD, they put their 1986 tour where they had a few random matches in. And really, outside of reading results, where if they randomly popped up, I don't know how many times any kind of major market wrestling would have been in Australia between 1986 and 2002. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I wasn't aware that uh, they'd come in 86, so that's news to me. Uh, But I was three years old at that point, so why would I know? Uh, Don't worry about that part. Let's talk about 02. (laughs) Yeah, but um, 02, yeah, that was obviously – that was a huge deal. So I I flew over to Melbourne um, to to watch that. And I am actually in the – in the DVD, I think it's the Jericho match. You'll see a really? guy with it. You'll see a guy, um, yeah, opposite the hard cam. I stand up at one point. I think it's Jericho match. I stand up and I've got the the Rock Just Bring It shirt with the American flag through the Just Bring It, and I give a big wave to the crowd. So, uh, sorry, wave to the camera. So, yeah, I I, I found myself on that one. Uh, but no, that was an amazing, amazing night, and. Um, yeah, obviously WWE had exploded by that point. Obviously, they bought WCW and they're just a global phenomenon. And uh, yeah, I think it was fifty odd, fifty-seven thousand people. I think wow went, went to that that night. Um, yeah, it was. It, it they did actually start to ramp up their tours to Australia after that as well because I got to yes. see them in Perth. I think the following year uh, they came to Perth and I got to meet meet a bunch of guys at the nightclub and the casino afterwards. But yeah, around, so yeah, 2002 onwards, we've started to get regular, regular tours to Australia. So I think obviously the attitude era boom made them realize, oh, gee, we can make a lot of money down there if we, if we paid them some attention. Uh, being a, a signings guy, like I am, I got to know about the, uh, the Australia meet and greet or meeting them in a casino. What was that like? Yeah. So that was just by chance. So, um, we just went out after after the event. We'd been drinking all night. We just kept drinking uh, into the nightclub, and we were just upstairs in the nightclub, and we just noticed it looked like a VIP area, and then next second, all the boys just started walking in. So we would just stop them as we saw them and say, g'day. And, um, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero, absolute standouts as being absolute class acts that, uh, you know, took the time to have a chat have a chat for a few minutes other guys just sort of shook your hand and move on but yeah it was um yeah it was just by chance and uh just yeah just getting to hang out at the bar with the wrestlers was pretty cool experience very weird you think they'd be a little bit more conversational outside of the u.s and especially in a place i'm sure very few guys ever uh wrestled i would just do it from a perspective of like are the fans different here are they more respectful you know are they a little bit more conscious of our space uh, but no, that's cool. That's uh, that's really awesome. And I was trying to pull it up and put it on on the side. Uh, I'm not finding it in my little database here, but, uh, I mean, I remember getting the DVD and just being jazzed up that it was like a house show that was released because you mm. didn't see those very often, uh, which kind of started in the new generation era. So, all right, let's talk about in this new generation era, what I sent you. Yes. Like I said, very, gen- you know, very generic. The Australian guy comes on. So I pull something Australian. I, again, <laughs> I apologize. I didn't have any like crocodile Dundee posters behind me. You know, I didn't have the wiggles performing off on the other uh, side. I-, I tried to just stick to wrestling. Uh, but I think most wrestling fans and they think of Australia, think of Outback Jack. 
Yes. Because Outback Jack was a complete cash-in on Crocodile Dundee in the yes. 1980s. And, you know, <laughs> tell me about your seeing Outback Jack. And I'm not going to talk about then, but just seeing what they portrayed Australians as Outback Jack now. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, the, the Crocodile Dundee thing. I mean, we're still we're still stuck with the Crocodile Dundee <laughs> stereotype. And, um like uh, I was about to say to you, you haven't said throw a shrimp on the barbie uh, yet. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. Damn and it. <laughs> <laughs> a we don't we we throw prawns on the barbie, but re we rarely do that. Even like maybe twice in my life, I've seen prawns on the barbie. But uh, anyway, <laughs> that is that is the stereotype. And when you see Outback Jack, you just think, oh, yeah. Like obviously, that's what that's the gimmick you do. I mean, of course you would. You know, like. We've talked about uh, what's his name, Glacier and WCW on yeah. Get My Go because he comes yeah. up a lot. Like Mortal Kombat was a big deal at the time, so let's let's do this. You know, Crocodile Dundee was a big deal at the time, so yeah, let's slap that gimmick on someone and um and and see if they can pull it off. So yeah, you sort of you sort of get used to it uh, when there's not a lot of successful Australians on the international market. You kind of get used to just being stuck with the same the same few gimmicks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and he had an action figure, you know, so he's immortalized forever. And everybody be like, well, you need the hat if you have Outback Jack. You can't have the Outback Jack figure without the hat with the one side curved up. I mean, come on. It's uh, it's blasphemy if you don't have Outback Jack in there. So uh, I guess Vince McMahon feeling that uh, the Australian market was being ignored from about 1987 on said, well, we need somebody that's going to kind of help us uh, cross back over. Uh, into the land down under and what he did was is he took a team that was I, I would say beloved but I'm going to use that term loosely I was never a real big fan uh, as a kid of the Bushwhackers uh, who we were told for many many years were from New Zealand uh, but let's take them repackage their gimmick and make them Australian guys that throw boomerangs guys that have a thing around their neck that I'm trying to still figure out if that was the honky or honky or whatever the fuck they're talking about, I don't know what it is. But all of a sudden, the Bushwhackers are now Australian-loving uh, guys that lick each other's heads and rub each other uh, on the way to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> the the head-licking was... That was bizarre. That, that it's still bizarre. You certainly couldn't do that in, uh, in 2021, the old uh, head-licking. But it... To me, it just reeks of Vince going, ah, New Zealand, Australia, it's the same. Just you know what I mean? Like it's it, it, it's a, they're all down under. It's fine. We'll just we'll just slap a new gimmick on them. And um, I to be honest with you, I'm I'm surprised they went ahead with it because I'm I'm sure it's pretty insulting uh, for New Zealanders <laughs> for, to to be forced to be. You know, there's a, there's a fairly decent rivalry there, and I think look, what they were they were the sheep herders. Yes, originally the sheep herders. That's their the gimmick that I would say, you know, most old school fans would remember the sheep herders as these bloodthirsty, just hardcore maniacs. All their matches were blood and guts, and and they were vicious and they were crazy, uh, you know, and the camouflage pants, and they just uh, had this just unique style to them that turned into the bushwhackers, the fun loving guys that lick each other. <laughs> yes well the like the sheep herders thing is is quite appropriate um i think some people may not be aware but between australia and new zealand um we often suggest that new zealanders are quite fond of sheep um <laughs> it's it reminds me of a joke uh, a classic joke that uh there's an australian and a kiwi walking along and there's a sheep stuck head stuck in the fence and um and the the new zealand bloke just walks over to it and 
just starts giving it to it from behind. And uh, the Australian bloke goes, oh, geez, yes, could I have a go? And the Kiwi said, yeah, go for it. So the Australian guy went and put his head in the fence. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, everyone thought I was going to make fun. Well, I kind of did make fun of the Kiwis, but I put, it, I put it back on the Australians as well. But, no, so, yeah, obviously the sheep herders. And, yeah, just such, like you say, such weird like yeah we'll give them a boomerang because that's that's australian um but that's indigenous australian it's not just any australian so that kind of that's just throwing something together it was yeah like sort of that weird sort of um cargo you had that khaki and cargo pants and it almost looked like um the crocodile hunter but i don't think he was no i don't think he was even remotely on the radar at that point yeah i mean obviously crocodile dundee you know was a little bit similar but no he sort of had the vest or whatever it was. And so, yeah, it almost had that, you know, Steve Irwin crocodile hunter look to it. Um, and yeah, <laughs> the clip that had the big, <laughs> the giant kangaroo uh, yeah, coming that. out with them. Cause why <laughs> yeah. not? Yeah. And was that a loaded pouch in that clip that I saw? I believe, me? yeah, I believe it was. Uh, but that was like, see, that was in the weird part of the transformation with them is that, you know, they all of a sudden, they, I'm just going to dial it back slightly before we get into <laughs> that. So the, the first clip I sent you was what they looked like in 1994. And what they yep. looked like in 1994 was what you would think of with the Bushwhackers. They have the black and white, um, you know, camouflage pants, the black singlet, you know, the marching morons, as uh, Jesse Ventura used to call them. Yeah. Uh, complete Bushwhackers we know and love. Fast forward to really like six months later. Now it's, yeah, the kangaroo. It's the boomerang. It's the thing around the neck. It's all that stuff. Uh, was was it loaded? I I'm gonna say it was. I, I gotta be honest. I think they uh, they were maybe channeling a little bit of their dirty side uh, with that. <laughs> yeah, because I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it was Hilton or whatever, but I think because I think Jim Ross sort of mentioned on the commentary or Vince McMahon what was that in the pouch. So I was like, oh, <laughs> how good's that? They've got this giant uh, cuddly kangaroo uh, with a loaded pouch, um, but. But like, how about that? I mean, like that, and not even. Let's like also say this too. If you think about the bushwhackers' entrance, right? And again, let's say traditional bushwhackers. They had a little hat, right? And their hat had like bite marks in it because they're, I guess, they're savages from uh, New Zealand. They love sardines, you know. They stink. All this stuff, right? But then when they became the Australian bushwhackers, not only the thing around the neck, they also had like vests. And like um, terrain jackets, I guess you would say. And that's a clip with the uh, the the uh the the kangaroo like they just like there's no shame here <laughs> with mm. pulling out the australian stereotypes i guess we would say why did the kangaroo we'd have to ask this to bruce pritchard maybe why did the kangaroo not last imagine he'd be like what the hell kangaroo are you even talking about who's gonna remember that the bushwhackers had a kangaroo with them probably one time <laughs> well and to be honest if it was a loaded pouch because like you say it was fully over the top if it was a loaded pouch it probably should have been you know a carton of fosters or something like let's let's go all the way here with the australian stereotypes um <laughs> they said is that and, a knife and he goes that's not a knife yeah <laughs> this is a knife <laughs> <laughs> it's a spoon ah you've played knifey spoony before um, <laughs> i love that episode by the way that's a great um, episode <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the thing around, going back to the thing, what were the things around their neck? I, I so honestly... that's, that's where, and I also, because I, I sent you their theme music, right? Mm. So their theme music, which was, you know, the Bushwhackers March, and we knew it for all those years. 
had a little bit of a twist that it had them speaking at the beginning, but they say Hongi. <laughs> they hongi. go, yay, whoa, Hongi. And around their neck was the Hongi. And that's what I would wanted to ask you. Is there something in Australia known as a hongi? <laughs> what the what the frig is a hongi? I never heard that before. I have no idea what a hongi was. I was I was trying to see like say what those things were around their necks. So I'm like, what significant is this? What what stereotype is this? Because I have no idea what it is. No, hongi, no idea what that word means. Um, I did lo- notice later in that theme. They start saying bloody a lot, like absolutely, and yeah, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, which you know, Australians certainly do do that. But I think for a couple of Kiwis, it's probably easier just to throw a bunch of bloodies in there, and you, you might sound a bit Australian. Now, do you think the boomerangs were added from possibly merchandising uh, possibilities? <laughs> I know I don't remember it, and I was pretty uh, diehard in getting that that new generation merchandise catalog. I don't recall a uh, bushwhacker boomerang. Uh, but I do remember the second edition of their Hasbro figures did come with the uh, the hats. So maybe mm. perhaps they were looking at uh, adding a Bushwhacker boomerang. Would you have purchased a Bushwha- Bushwhacker boomerang or would you have been offended? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be offended, but I couldn't. I can't see myself uh, purchasing a Bushwhacker boomerang. But it, like I say, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Like, yeah, I guess you could use it in the ring, but it's not. It's not an overly successful tool. Like it's it's pretty good for you know if you're if you're out in the in the outback trying to um trying to catch catch your feed. But I don't know how well it's going to work against an opponent in the ring. Um, you know, I don't, yeah, a little clunk on the head. I don't think it's going to do too much damage. So I just don't see it as a point other than obviously the stereotype. We all know a boomerangs from Australia, but they're not even indigenous Australians. You know, so. Yeah, maybe a didgeridoo in there. If they had played a didgeridoo <laughs> to the ring, that would have been cool. Now, maybe that would have been if there was a heel turn, because I don't think yeah. that the uh, you know the the audience would have liked the didgeridoo uh, <laughs> theme song. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what was the boomerang going to do? Were they going to throw it at their opponent and hope that it comes back in time and stick it back in their tights? You know, like where? Like, did, let me ask this question: Did they need a repackaging? From your perspective, looking back from that first match I show I sent you in '94 to the couple I sent you from '95 and '96, like, do you think they needed that repackaging? No, absolutely not. No, how they looked in the beginning, like that. Yeah, the, the camo pants with just a you know tank top singlet thing on the top. Yeah, that's probably how you'd be rocking in the bush in Australia because it it gets pretty hot and. Um, you know, that's how you get like they looked great. They looked legit at that point and they looked like they could be your tag team champs. When they started adding all the stuff, it just makes it a joke and it just makes it hokey. And then it you, you find it hard to take them seriously and, and, and think they're going to be tag champs. And like, I've got to be honest, dude, those matches are hard to watch back then. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, they are. I mean, that's that's the thing, too. And no knock on uh, Butch Miller or Luke Williams, Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers. Uh, you know, I've talked to uh, Luke before. Engaging guy, tells great stories. They've been wrestling since the 1960s. So, I mean, they go back ways and ways and ways. But the thing about them in the WWF, especially when you take away the blood and guts of the sheep herders, I mean, if you've seen one Bushwhacker squash match, you've seen them all because, I mean, like squash matches that go like six minutes are like very hard to get through. Even now, for somebody like me who loves that old school shit, it's tough to get through a six minute squash match because you come to find now, listening back, 
they're not even talking about the match. <laughs> they're not even <laughs> remotely mentioning that, you know, uh, Joe Blow or, or one of these guys had a great name. Uh, Timothy Flowers was one. Uh, the other one, hang on, I got to pull it up because it was just, it tickled me. Uh, no, not Brian Walsh. Of course, it's going to be the one I didn't click on. Here's the third one. Uh, Richie Rich <laughs> was literally one of the guy's names. I mean, you're not listening to uh, Richie Rich get beat down. So it, it, you just, but I don't know if I would have realized that back then they weren't talking about the match. I was just thrilled to see uh, wrestling on Saturday morning. Yeah, no, the um, the battering ram just looks so awkward as well. The finisher, I like every every time, like each squash match, I was like, it caught me out off guard. I'm like, is that it? Is that it, right? It doesn't even look finish. like it's got any kind of impact. It's just kind of running the guy's head like gingerly <laughs> into your side. You you want to be like. Ow, what did you do that for? Like that? Yeah. Hey, that's going to leave a mark, you know? What's yeah, well, that about? Why, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just very sloppy. But it's one of those things of um, like one of my biggest complaints about modern wrestling is the matches are too long on television. That, and right. Um, right. I, and I think a six minute squash match today would be really, really good. But some of those back then were hard. But I agree with you the commentators are trying to evolve other stories at the same time and, and are and talking about other stuff. So like you say, you're probably not even realizing you just, you're watching what's going on in the ring and, and appreciating that as, as a kid. And um, yeah, perhaps you, you're not necessarily noticing exactly what they're talking about, um, but they would, <laughs> they are tough to watch these days. They really are. Now I think the one gem out of the what did I said, you four, I think four clips, the one gem that you could say is Brian Pillman, uh, in the one uh, clip from 96 where uh, Brian Pillman, uh, who was very notoriously in a motorcycle accident after he had signed his WWF contract uh, that nearly took his life but completely changed the path of his career. Uh, on crutches, they would bring him out just to ringside. He'd jaw jacket the fans. But in this instance, he's out at ringside doing the Bushwhacker March in one of the clips and then, uh, you know, effectively turns on the Bushwhackers and nails Butch with the um, the crutch and then he's on commentary. That was like the only good part of any of those clips I sent you. <laughs> that was actually really great. I loved Pillman and his explanation was just great that he yes. um, <laughs> that, that he slipped on some water and I threw the crutch out to help him Yeah, so that he didn't fall, he could catch it and not fall to the ground and I thought, that's, that's really good stuff and Vince McMahon was selling it beautifully on commentary as well. Um, a lot of people like to bag Vince McMahon commentary but i think he was pretty good back in the day and that little exchange between him and pillman i thought was fantastic that's kind of been the general consensus here on the airwaves of uh new generation declassified is that vince maybe to the uh the layman right maybe to the guy who doesn't watch that much wrestling or to the guy who watches too much wrestling they don't like vince i think for us you know old school fans and people that you know know what was going on like he did pretty damn good for being on yeah. on the the stick and having to worry about all this stuff going on backstage and, and what's on in front of him. Uh, his facial reactions are what get me all the time, and like he just plays it so well. When Pillman sits down in the uh, the commentary seat behind them, like I just watch Vince's face and his eyes and his neck and doing all these little movements. It's just to me, he's very yeah, very uh, underappreciated. I won't say the underrated word. Because uh, yeah. he's perfectly rated where he is. Just saying, underappreciated. Because I think the way obsessed fans think that he, you know, wasn't uh, authentic enough. Yeah, and I think you kind of have a little bit more appreciation as you get older and you realize who Vince is. You know, at at the time, 
like he's just a commentator you didn't know that he owned the company and was you know running the company um so as you get older and find out oh wow like he he runs the company and he was sitting there on commentary and all that so i think that adds to the appreciation um appreciation of it uh but um yeah in terms of like you say I think a lot of people do get a little bit overly obsessed at times and get into it too much and get, I, I think, overly critical uh, and, yeah. and, and don't, they can't just sit back and enjoy anymore. And um, I, I, that's what I found with myself. I think I learned too much about wrestling and, and, and I just can't, I can't enjoy it the way I used to, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, uh, trust me, a billion and a half percent. I mean, it just doesn't have that spark for certain people. And I'll throw myself into that. It doesn't have that spark. And I kind of use this show as a platform to like renew some of the, you know, the affinity I had for it, you know, and spending as much time as I have over the years and working there. And I've lost that desire to appreciate what the entertainment has to offer because I feel like, I hate to use it, isn't it? But I feel like the people have killed it. <laughs> and it's just not fun because I'm not sitting there analyzing uh, the matches. And I can remember, you know, John and I, my partner, JP, you know, and us driving around and talking about, you know, uh, work rate or this match. and that. But that was two guys in a car chit-chatting. Now look on, you go on Twitter and you have millions of people that are or hundreds of thousands or thousands or however many that are talking about work rate and this guy's a great performer and this looks so great and this was so crisp and it's like relax relax go listen to some Vince McMahon commentary and go cleanse your soul <laughs> <laughs> well I find myself getting annoyed at myself when I'm when I use wrestling terms you know I'll say like I oh, got himself over or I'll say gimmick or, or whatever and and I stop <laughs> and go ah oh, I've heard way too many marks use those words now that now I feel dirty for using them like they're not my place to use these words you know what I mean like yeah and um like just as we talked earlier like it when talking about get my go on that and the amount of podcasts out there uh, that are just, you know, a bunch of marks just talking about wrestling and people sitting there, like you say, talking about work rate and saying somebody's a sloppy worker and doesn't know what they're doing is like, when did you ever do it? Like, yeah. you know, you know, I'll listen, I'll listen to Mark Henry and Bully Ray tell me about someone's work rate because they've been there. They've done that. Um, I'm tired of hearing just the average wrestling fan. Tell me what someone's doing right and wrong in the ring. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I, I've said a million times, I don't watch actively. I did check out clips of the Royal Rumble because I like that content. I always love the Royal Rumble. I don't want to take that away from myself. But like even watching that, it was so like it was like watching the Royal Rumble underwater because these guys are so careful in everything they're doing. And I'm looking at, you know, the Twitter feed and everybody's critiquing every step these guys make well, this guy looked great coming off the second rope and this guy really looked uh like he was uh you know he was uh, uh just fluent with whatever the motion and and i'm like man just watch the goddamn match just watch yeah. kane you know uh uh dump out dolph ziggler and get and be happy that kane is back which i was very happy to see that but uh you know yeah then that's a guy like vince mcmahon who we knew, I, I mean, I mean, I knew he was the owner. I remember the steroid scandal very clearly. Mm. And Vince McMahon is on, you know, the Donahue show or Larry King live and talking about, you know, no steroids, no sexual abuse. And this is me at 10, 11 years old being like, isn't that guy the commentator? And then my dad, I'm like, he, you know, he's the owner of the company and, and get smartened up at a young age. But to see what he had to do. And to know that, okay, he didn't know a double wrist lock, chin hold, you know, uh, suplex. He didn't know yeah. that stuff. But he's screaming at the top of his freaking lungs. 
And what I come to watch now is, like I said, the facial reactions, the movements, and a guy like Brian Pillman who is, you know, playing the heel and great because guess what they did? And this is for a little nugget for new generation people. And I'll drop this in the uh, underneath the the episode posting. They teased the Shawn Michaels Brian Pillman program during the commentary, which you know what? Shit, going back to '96 as a, as a fan back then, I would have loved to have seen that. I think a lot of people would have loved to have seen that and particularly today everyone thinking oh yeah that would have been amazing and um like you say about vince you're spot on the facial expressions and that like we just i just did a watch along at the 99 royal rumble and when he's when he comes in with stone cold at the start there it's the little things you know the like gulp? did he do the gulp i don't think he did the, well the big exaggerated gulp. yeah no i don't think i'm just trying to think i don't think he did the big gulp but no he just he was a really good seller and just, like you say facial expenses expressions the nuances that that make you go make you react i guess is, is, the, is the best way i can describe it and you know only certain people have got that ability to to be able to do the little things like that so i think you're spot on um i did notice the exact same thing you said like with the pillman pillman segment vince was great at selling it and um and yeah pillman it's such a shame. It really is such a shame yeah. with Pillman because that was a great little segment that I listened to and I was like, wow, like I've heard so much about Pillman and like here he is, like a, a couple of little minutes that I'm watching. Four, yeah, a four and a half minutes. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he just, once again, he just captures you. So, yeah, you know, it, it goes, like you keep saying, it goes to show people have forgotten the new generation era and good on you for, for trying to remind everyone there was some really good stuff. Um, and, yeah, we got robbed a bit with Pillman, but there was a lot of good stuff going on outside the, you know, the cheesy gimmicks and, yeah. you know, making the bushwhackers look like stereotypical goofy Australians and, and all that. So, so ridiculous. But, I, yeah, I appreciate that because that's exactly, you know, why I said, all right, I'll do – I would lo- I've said it a million times. I'd rather go back and do the Federation era than the new generation era because I could sit there and pull out just a match and talk about a match for 45 minutes if I wanted to. <laughs> But with the new generation and every person, for the most part, that's come on, and that to me is the most interesting part of pulling people now from all all over the world. You know, I'm usually I'm taking them from throughout the country. So you know, I was in New York, but talking to Durban who was in Chicago, talking to another guy who was in Connecticut. You know, talking to guys down in Florida. You see people from all across the United States, but now pulling from the other side of the world, we see what you got to see. But if I'm introducing you to something else. And anybody who wants to listen and go back and find this stuff, to me, that's great. Because if you're not a fan of what you're watching now, there's something out there for everybody. And that's kind of been the story so far of doing this podcast. Well, and that's the beauty of of the modern era of uh, technology as well, is the fact that, like Rob said to me uh, about the Attitude Area, like people romanticize it. There was a lot of garbage in the Attitude Area, and, and I tend to agree. I personally only got the good stuff uh, in Australia because we'd get like superstars, which is <laughs> highlights of all the good stuff and exactly. then a couple of jobber matches. Um, so I was only seeing the good stuff, but going back and watching it, yeah, there's a lot of garbage. And, and that's the thing, though. You can skip past the garbage, can't you? Um, and so, yeah, that you could go through the new generation era. And, yeah, if you want to skip a Bushwhackers match because it's it's lame, uh, by all means do it. But there's a lot of good stuff to be to pick away at on the – well, geez, it's on Peacock now, isn't it? Not the WWE Network. 
Yeah, Peacock. I don't know when that starts, but yeah, Peacock mm. uh, sooner or later. Uh, quickly before we get to the wrap up. Uh, so in those clips, you got to hear Vince. JR was on it. Mr. Perfect was on uh, the Brian Pillman one. But then you also got Ted DiBiase and Gorilla Monsoon. So the commentators, it's a big point of contention with a lot of fans. You know, I can't personally listen to commentary now. Uh, I like every one of those guys on commentary. So what was your just quick synopsis on uh, the commentators of those matches? I I did like Monsoon and um, DiBiase. I thought that that was really good. I've I've always enjoyed. I love Monsoon's voice and just yeah. the the authoritative nature of him. Um, I do have a real soft spot for Monsoon, and obviously him and um him and Heenan and the Will You Stop and all that is <laughs> uh is tremendous. Um, it was only a little tidbit of Jr. and I I, I kind of get the feeling because I think he was with Vince on on that call, and I kind of yeah. feel he kind of feel he was seemed a little bit more timid I, I reckon because uh vince was there so i think vince absolute standout and uh and monsoon absolute standouts um and obviously the pillman being on on special commentary was brilliant but yeah no i love monsoon and vince they're, they're the standout for me to pick a favorite i'll probably go monsoon yeah uh, just because like i say i really like that authoritative nature of his voice and and uh how he gets his point across I can't go, uh, can't go wrong with a little gorilla monsoon Get, getting phased out in the new generation era, unfortunately. But, yeah. you know, we've come to learn health issues and yada, yada, yada. We've talked about it. Just did a whole series about commentators, hosts, and announcers. Three episodes, if you want to go back and listen to those, if you haven't done so already. So, all right, well, we'll get to uh, wrapping up here uh, on New Generation Declassified. The Aussie guy uh, joining me. I did not ask him which way his toilet flushed. So give me credit for that one. I did do knifey spoony, but I didn't yep. ask you which way your toilet flush. So if you want to reveal now, I mean, if you, the grand reveal at the end, I've been sitting in suspense the whole time. <laughs> um, it doesn't really, I don't really notice the water turn. <laughs> All the water just rushes down from the sides. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't, I can't tell you what way the water goes. Uh, I think it's, I don't know. To be honest, I don't pay attention. Okay, so Dr. Bat Simpson of uh, the American <laughs> Council of Toilet or whatever it was uh, never Nine, called you. $900 reduce. <laughs> Where's your prime minister live? Next door? You got to go and yell at him yeah, outside yeah. in the uh, in the inner tube eating a yeah, hot well, dog? Like, what, the, for, <laughs> what, what kind of portrayal is that by the Simpsons writers that the yeah. prime minister was in the in a inner tube in water eating a hot dog? <laughs> Yeah, it probably would have been a meat pie, not a hot dog. But, oh, uh, meat no, pie, no, whatever. Yeah. No, that that sounds about right for our prime minister. Um, yeah, can I have a coffee? Beer, coffee, <laughs> beer, beer. <laughs> oh God, I love it. I just watched that recently, so it's a little fresh uh, in terms of my uh, Australian stereotypes. But I uh, when no. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was offended by it because I was like, "That's that's nothing like what we're like." And then when I became an adult, I was like, "No, that's good comedy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way you know everything that's made about New York or the Jersey Shore. <laughs> I could pretty much yeah. tell you, it was almost scary how authentic some of it was, and that was uh, <laughs> watching it unfold in front of your eyes a lot of times. But uh, I digress. All right, uh, Dean, let us know what's going on in your world, where people can find you. You know where you are on social media. Get my go, the whole nine yards. Floor is yours, my friend. 
All right, thank you very much, Chad, for uh, having me on and having a bit of a chat. So, yeah, my famous uh, catchphrase, uh, you can find me on Twitter at that sussy guy. Just imagine that Aussie guy and put an S where the A should be. Um, yeah, check me out on Get My Go. I've, I've been making a lot of appearances on Get My Go lately, and uh, I really appreciate Joe and Mike and all that having the faith in me to keep bringing me on. And, um, yeah, it's always good fun. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm on the latest episode, uh, episode 36, Hooventoot Guerrero uh, is the current one, on all your favourite. Uh, so, the, yeah, obviously it's podcast form now, and that's that's the major engine at the moment. So all your favourite podcast apps, um, subscribe, rate, review, all that on uh, Forget My Go. And then Mike obviously still puts it on the YouTube channel, so that's where you should go and comment because uh, it's always good to put your favorite quotes and all that on the on the youtube page so love and get my go mike mate love you joe Husey, all you guys brilliant idea and i'm so so proud to be a part of that um i mentioned the watch along i did a watch along with uh rad rob on rad turtles rad rumble week so go back and check that out in 1999 royal rumble watch along with a a lot of Get My Go references stuffed into that one. So, um, yeah, if you're a Get My Go fan, check that one out as well. Other than that, Chad, um, no, that's that's pretty much it for me when it comes to plugs. You know, I'll say this about your sussy guy, Aussie guy, uh, little, little tidbit there. You're giving listeners and people a lot of credit that, A, they would know how to spell that right <laughs> out of the gate and, like, not even think about, okay, I have to replace the A with the S. You're giving them a lot of credit, but I give you uh, give you that. That's a, a hell of a little catchphrase you got. <laughs> well, I kind of think when you say sussy and then you think Aussie, I don't know. It was, yeah, it, it's hard enough to explain. It was a it was an error when I typed it in, uh, when I created the account. I thought I typed in that Aussie guy, but the S and the A are next to each other on the keyboard. So I'd accidentally hit the S and didn't realize. And once it happened, I was like, well, you're stuck with it now. That's, that's fate decided that you're... At that sussy guy. So that, that was the best I could come up with. Put an S where the A should be. It's like trying to explain Chad for your real name. It's like uh, one of those <laughs> things you just get used to it after a while. It might not make sense to certain people, but you know what? If you say it enough, you have a whole little spiel and you remember it very easily. So I can, uh, I can relate to that for sure. Uh, but if you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on the Instagrams and the, uh, the Twitters of the world. Uh, if you want to go to my website, it's ibexclusives.com. I got autograph signings and some cool stuff going on over there. For all the podcasts under the TMPT Empire umbrella, go to tmptempire.com. Head on over to the Russo brand to see all the collaborations going on between the TMPT Empire and the Russo brand, as well as checking out me on the Triple Threat podcast with my uh, my brother from the TMPT Empire, JP, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, as well as, and this is the last one, I promise, Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme, Francine, at patreon.com slash Francine podcast, and then also simulcast later in the week on the Creative Control Podcast Network. I got to take a breath. Hold on. That was way too much to get out in one uh, sitting, but appreciate you, Dean, coming on, and uh, appreciate everybody for checking out this episode of New Generation Declassified. So we'll figure out what the next topic's going to be on the uh, upcoming episodes and beyond. So for the Aussie guy, Dean, this is the Chadster, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.